Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Daily DLP. I'm your host, Ash Thompson, and today I'm going to be giving you a preview of the Falcons offense and how the Lions might choose to stop it. So the first thing you need to know about the Falcons' origins is the men behind the scenes. Arthur Smith is the mastermind, but he's far from the only architect of what you're seeing on Sundays from the Falcons. Smith started his career on the defensive side of the ball. He was a defensive quality control coach for Washington in 2007 and 2008 before he went to Ole Miss as a defensive intern for the 2010 season. In 2011, he joined the Titans and switched sides of the ball as an offensive quality control coach under offensive coordinator Chris Palmer, our run-and-shoot proponent, with a wide-open, screw-blocking offensive mindset that was the reason that David Carr got sacked more than any other quarterback in three of his first four seasons when Palmer was with the Texans in the early 2000s. And the head coach at that point was Mike Munchak. Smith survived the firing of Munchak in 2013 to work under Ken Wisenhunt, who brought a completely opposing style of run-first approach to the offense. Smith also survived the firing of Munchak in 2015, and then also the firing of Mike Malarkey in 2017. By 2019, he had become the Titans' offensive coordinator and oversaw their revitalization of Ryan Tannehill's career after the Dolphins gave up on him. He also oversaw Derrick Henry ascending from a pretty darn good to a deadly offensive weapon that gained over 4,000 yards from scrimmage over the next two years. And that's how Arthur Smith became the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. He has retained play-calling duties for the team, but his offensive coordinator has a great deal of input on the game plans. Which brings us to Falcons offensive coordinator Dave Ragone, who played for the Texans in the early 2000s under a certain offensive coordinator named Chris Palmer. He started two games in his NFL career, both of which were in his rookie 2003 season. Ragone's first NFL coaching gig was under Palmer again as the wide receivers coach of those same Tennessee Titans in 2011 alongside Arthur Smith. Ragone also survived Palmer getting canned halfway through the 2012 season and was even promoted for the 2013 season. Surviving coaches above you getting fired is almost always a good sign for a coach. He was also part of the John Fox Bears staff and survived that firing too, actually. He got promoted all the way up to passing game coordinator under new head coach Matt Nagy in a West Coast scheme, which was completely different from any of his previous gigs. I'm going to stop there and say that the offensive coaching staff all have their toes dipped in several different offensive schemes. Here's the first thing you need to know about their offense. They pound the rock like it's a religion. It's a passing league, 
But here's a quote from Arthur Smith last year in response to criticism of his run-first mentality that is quite telling. There were some of the smartest people in the tech industry who said the iPhone was never going to work. It's nonsense. If you're buying this stuff, shame on you. There's a graveyard of hot takes and these predictions that's just comical. I can't put my finger on it, but for some reason, I really like Arthur Smith. In 2022, the Falcons were predicted before the season to be a four-win team in the hunt looking for the first overall pick and the quarterback they desperately needed to join the NFL in the present as opposed to 1986. Well... They rode their ground game featuring preseason rookie of the year candidate. No, he was not. Tyler Algier, nobody had him on their list of people who was going to be great as a rookie. But they rode him and quarterbacks Marcus Mariota, who left the team with a couple weeks left in the season, and uh, Desmond Ritter, the third-round rookie quarterback, all the way to seven wins. They missed a playoff berth by one win last year a division title. This year, they drafted a running back at 8th overall, and they're off to a hot 2-0 start. So they pound the rock, but like how? In 2022, the Falcons ran the ball 55% of the time. So, a lot. They, they do it a lot. But watching the Falcons run a game is pretty much the opposite of watching the Lions running game, in that the Falcons don't do everything. You'll see inside zone, you'll see outside zone, and that's the majority of what they are going to do. Unlike the Lions, who have a variety of attacks towards the defense, Smith's offense has very few plays, and they perform them to perfection with players who excel at executing the plays that they want to run. For those who aren't well-versed in run schemes, an easy way to see what you're watching is when all of the offensive linemen move in the same direction on every running play, that's a zone scheme. Whether they're moving forward or moving sideways, everybody just goes in a straight line in a direction. That's a zone run. Basically, each guy's responsible for whatever defender comes into his zone. It's like zone defense, except that you're running towards somebody and hitting them. I found it to be much more fun way back in the day when, when I played. Uh, whether it's a defensive end, defensive tackle, linebacker, safety, whoever gets in the way of that particular blocker is the person that that blocker has. Does that make sense? Uh, the other type of run scheme is a power scheme. That's where you'll see the linemen like pulling, trapping, crawl, Xing each other, going in different directions doing things that are meant to kind of confuse the defense as to what is happening in front of them. It's complicated and tricky, but it requires powerful players. Whereas the zone scheme is simple and it requires athletic players. The Falcons run blocking is about as basic as it gets there. Whenever you hear about a Broncos style lineman or a Shanahan style lineman, that's what they are trying to use is like, not necessarily 350 pounds, but a very athletic guy. Jim Caldwell run this scheme abysmally, but it's what the Falcons do around that basic running scheme that is the subtle brushstroke of a master painter compared to Caldwell smearing paint on a canvas with his forehead. 
The Falcons use motion to let their running backs and quarterback read the defense pre-snap. This allows the running back to have a pretty good guess as to where the creases in the defense are likely to develop as the play unfolds. This is one of the reasons when you're watching a Rams game, you see jet sweep motion 20 times a game, it feels like. Uh, (laughs) Sean McVay uses a similar mindset in the running game as Arthur Smith. Uh, Ben Johnson also has a lot of pre-snap motion you may have noticed in the last couple games. So while they're running a completely different scheme, the reason is still the same. It's to see where the defenders are likely to be going at the snap. This motion causes linebackers to shift into spots that the Falcons think they're more likely to get caught up in traffic after the snap. Uh, The motion causes defensive backs to move out of good positions to help on the run side of the play. And the motion also gets an extra blocker to the overloaded side of the defense that could cause problems otherwise. Even the receivers the Falcons have are there because of how they affect the running game, in part. The Falcons' leading receivers that are not Bijan Robinson, who I am going to get to, because <laughs> he definitely does matter in this equation, uh, but the receivers that are getting the most receptions for them are Mac Hollins, who is 6'4", 221 pounds, Drake London, who is 6'4", 213 pounds, Kyle Pitts, who is 6'6", 246 pounds, and Jonu Smith, who is 6'3", 248 pounds. That and Bijan, or Algier, is the base offense that the Falcons typically run out of. 12 personnel, two tight ends. Technically, Pitts doesn't line up in line, but he is called a tight end. So 12 personnel, two tight ends, one running back. One running back, two tight ends. However, your brain wraps around that one. Either way, the Falcons have a lot more beef than most teams can bring to bear by a large margin on any given play at the skill positions. So the Falcons basically have the perfect group of skill position players to do what they want to do. And that's before I even get to the best player on the offense. Bijan Robinson is special. Two games in, it's abundantly clear that this guy is a great player. Like, and He's special, not in the way that every mom thinks their kid should be getting 90s in every class if they just applied themselves, but in like a real tangible way. The Falcons are 2-0 right now on the strength of Robinson's sheer massive talent. There's not much else that's really gone superbly correct for them. He's their leading receiver with 10 receptions on the year. He's their leading rusher with 180 yards on the year. But before you go and throw the Lions under the bus for using Jameer Gibbs the way that they are, know that even with that massive, unyielding talent on their roster, Tyler Algier actually has more carries than Bijan Robinson for the Falcons. Robinson is far from a workhorse back, as many seem to have been propping him up as. He's their best offensive player and the most dangerous thing on the field. And on 29 carries, he has 180 yards or a 6.2 yards per attempt. But the Falcons aren't exactly babying him the way that the Lions have been babying Gibbs. He has a 55.3 success rate, which, as I covered in a previous video, it measures whether the play was successful getting the team closer to a first down at a rate appropriate for the specific down and distance. So like a third and 15, 12-yard run is a fail because it did not get a first down. 
Whereas a second and three two-yard run is a success because it set up a pretty easy third down conversion. Whereas a third and three two-yard run, again, fail because it did not get the first down on third down. You get the idea. Most of last season's rushing leaders were in a 45 to 55% range. So Robinson was crushing it so far this year. He's on pace for 2,168 yards from scrimmage on the year, which would be in the top 30 seasons in NFL history. Uh, And this is at a position which there were pundits saying this offseason, we may never see a Hall of Fame player again at this position. And let's not crown him just yet. But barring the massive injury that everyone says every running back will always get coming soon, Robinson has the potential to be that kind of player. The guy where in 20 years, they're like, man, how does this guy compare to Ladinian Tomlinson, Barry Sanders, Jim Brown? That's the kind of talent this guy has. We'll see what kind of career he has. But in two games, that's the level he's been playing at. And that's what we're dealing with in terms of the rushing attack of the Falcons. Their passing game runs off of that overwhelming rushing attack. Over 44% of the Falcons' pass attempts in 2022 were play-action passes. That means that they either ran the ball or faked running the ball over 70% of their plays in the 2022 season, and that's showing no sign of stopping. Drake London ran a 4.5840. Mac Hollins ran a 4.5340. Kyle Pitts ran a 4.4440. Johnu Smith ran a 4.6240. And the fact that Smith, who was faster than all but three tight ends who ran at the 2023 Combine, and he was running on the old slow turf in Indy, the fact that he seems slow among this company tells you exactly how the Falcons are going to attack you. It is basically like they have two of good Kenny Galladay on the field and then two of one of what you were told Eric Ebron would be, and that's John U. Smith. And then they have basically a guy who athletically matches up pretty well with Calvin Johnson as the other guy in this receiving core. They get those big men downfield and they make you keep up with them or they make you take them down. That is their passing game. Because there isn't a secondary in the NFL that matches up well size-wise with that group or really speed-wise. Like, they'll have faster guys, but your fast guys in the secondary are typically about 200 pounds, which means they're giving up a minimum of 10 pounds to any of these guys. And they're giving up three or four inches. Again, pretty much at a minimum. There's a few guys out there that are different. Your normal outside corner is about six feet tall, about 200 pounds. You're losing the size matchup with this team in the secondary. They want their big athletic bodies in conflict with your smaller athletic bodies. And by forcing the linebackers to commit to their run reads, the Falcons open up space between the linebackers and the safeties, and that's where they want to throw the ball, in that 10 to 15 yard range, is basically their bread and butter. All of those guys are faster than one of most teams starting safeties (laughs) and almost all of their linebackers each week. I mean, Brian Branch barely matched Jonu Smith 
but Branch does play faster than he track times by a weirdly high margin. It's like crazy when you look at the GPS stuff. That's kind of Brad Holmes' thing. Find the guy who runs a slow 40, but has really high GPS speed. Anyway, back to the Falcons. When they're not using play action, the Falcons get their receivers the ball in quick hitting West Coast concepts. And for again, for people who aren't, you know, scheme nerds, that's short, quick timing passes to get big bodies the ball moving in space against smaller bodies. That's that's basically the basis of Jerry Rice's entire career is that he was big strong man going up against those corners. Uh, <laughs> in a West Coast offense. And if those passes aren't there, they then dump it off to the running back and your secondary has to tackle B. John Robinson or Tyler Algier. And that's a tough task. Like Algier's the David Montgomery here, but he's more than capable in the passing game enough so that you can't ignore him at the very least. He has three catches on the season. Not zero. Uh, but the Falcons offensive philosophy to borrow some boxing terms is that they're going to lean on you and they're going to hit you with body punches until you drop your arms. And then they're going to hit you in the face until you're knocked out. So if the Falcons are walking into this game with an army of mobile trees, catching the ball and a running back that is nigh unstoppable and already getting his yellow jacket in game three, uh, how do you beat that? Well, the first thing you need to do is you need to beat that offensive line with a four-man rush, which is no simple task. Uh, the Falcons O-line is rated highly in any of the 2023 preseason rankings you look at. Like, they're not an elite group. They're not the Eagles, where that is the most dangerous thing about that team, in fact. Uh, but they're in that second tier of really, really good offensive lines. What they're not, though, is they're not powerful. All of their sidestepping and getting to the second level to take on a linebacker is great. Uh, what you need to do is you need to turn that dance of 300-pound men into a messy pile of gunk in the middle of the field. To be blunt, the Lions need Isaiah Bugs and they need Broderick Martin to just punch that offensive line in the mouth and move them backward into rushing lanes. Everything about zone blocking schemes goes completely to hell when the offense needs to double team a specific defensive lineman or when the running back gets cut off by his own blockers who've been pushed into the path he is supposed to be taking. As Lions fans, if you remember the Jim Caldwell era watching Amir Abdullah try to get to a hole as hit the guard was pushed back into his face. That's what I'm talking about. The Lions need to do that. Stop Bijan Robinson before he makes his cut, before he gets to the hole. Make that hole not be there. Make that hole a pile of rubble. The Lions need to beef up this week. If they're playing in NASCAR packages, they are not going to beat the Falcons bully ball. You can't outrun this style of offense because the Falcons finesse offensive line will out finesse your defensive line if that's the game that you play trying to do that run your nascar package constantly as they've been doing will very likely lead to a one and two record and that's obviously what we're trying to avoid here uh so that's thing one the second is that they need to get to the quarterback without sending defensive backs these receivers will murder a lineman who's asked to cover them 
it, like if you're dropping linemen into coverage on this group, you've you've lost. That needs to not be part of the defensive scheme this week. Uh, the Falcons will also run at you on third and long. So if your linemen are worried about getting to a zone drop, they're going to be on their asses as Bijan gets to the safeties. Desmond Ritter's very good when his first read is open or even the second. So if you are not pressuring those guys at the line of scrimmage, stopping them from getting clean breaks because you're blitzing, he's going to eat you. Uh, that's <laughs> when he's not good is when he has to hold on to the ball and wait under pressure. Like he hasn't come to grips with the fact that while in college, he could make every throw. He's not that guy at this level. He is not Patrick Mahomes. He does not have that kind of arm. It's a decent arm, kind of goth-like in that regard. Good, not great. Uh, and particularly when he's pressured, he'll make throws that absolutely should not be made by a guy who has a slightly above average arm at the NFL level. Like, depending on what the defender does, that kind of play ends up as either a big-time throw on PFF's ledger or a turnover-worthy play. Nothing to do with the quarterback's decision-making process, just a matter of whether a guy made a play on the ball. In both cases, it's a bad choice, and you need to force Ritter to make bad choices to beat the Falcons. A bad choice into Charles Harris's zone is a big-time throw. A bad choice into Jack Campbell, Brian Branch, or Kirby Joseph's zone is a pass defended or maybe an interception. The Falcons keep it simple, and the Lions need to do that as well. Like, I'm sure all of the defensive back blitzes last week looked great on paper, but this team can't do that well. We got one sack, and that sack was a 14-second scramble by Geno Smith. It's not a real sack. Continuing down that path is how Aaron Glenn gets fired at the bye week. And it's in all of our best interest that that not happen, that he figure this thing out and he start getting the job done. Because if that happens, that means the Lions are losing, lining up and punching a finesse team in the mouth. And yes, on the offensive line, the Falcons are a finesse team, if nowhere else on the field. That's how the Lions win. Ritter with a clean pocket, Bijan with infinite options. This is how we lose make those two things not happen, this is how we win. Hopefully not having James Houston available will take the zone blitz off the forefront of AG's game plan this week. Tomorrow, I'm going to go over the Falcons' defense and how the Lions can attack that. Great day. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. <laughs> You've had enough of that shit.